You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. And yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me as always, a man who just before this recording threatened to leave this podcast and start his own super podcast. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. <laughs> In your ears, super podcast coming right next to supper, uh, supper podcast. Supper uh, podcast. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be stealing from Drew. Yeah, we could do a supper podcast. It would just be like uh, expected calories. Um I'd be terrible about that. My expected calories every day is really high. Talk about like, talk about like plate formations, like got your mains here, two sides or in like a main two sides beverage formation. It could be good. A little supper podcast, a little, little dinner humor there for the, for the listeners. Uh, look at this, Harrison. We did a podcast again. I two know. Podcast last week, one podcast this week, assuming we get through it. Assuming one of us doesn't storm off and quit halfway yeah. through, or that super Bradley comes in and you know accidentally subs one of us off. <sighs> <laughs> that's funny though. I mean, like, <laughs> that's hilarious that that happened, right? Uh, so yeah, so I think a lot of what's going on in the world today, Harrison, is uh, not focused on MLS and the soccer community, as you as I alluded to at the beginning. Uh, you know, there was a big Super League controversy. Uh, this week that that uh, kind of came out of nowhere a couple days ago and it apparently has died two days later uh, with a lot of people getting very, very angry. Now, um, I know, Harrison, that you are particularly an expert on <laughs> the uh, on the eccentricities and and uh, nuances of European football and politics. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to let you just kind of explain that. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. I'm just going to walk away from the mic and I'll come back in 10 minutes and hopefully you will have just filled everybody in on exactly what's going on. I don't understand how it's, I, I, I can see how it could be good and how it could be bad. And I see how it could be both good and bad on, on multiple ways. Like I, I've seen some interesting uh, points about how the disparity between clubs uh, there, it, the teams like Chelsea and Arsenal and uh, Man United and Man City all leaving give the English Premier League a better opportunity to better distribute wealth, to better, um, you know, capitalize on these wealthy owners, that the higher tier wealth leaving. But then again, I can see where them going to start their own league is just kind of bogus. Like that sucks for their for those fans, right? Right. I mean, even in merry old England where you have more like local attachments to these smaller clubs, uh, interest, small clubs, 
Yeah, I mean, most of these clubs that are small clubs are still fairly big clubs. They're in the Premier League. You know, e- even in England, you know, interest in, in teams is very much dominated by these main teams, your Uniteds, your Cities, your Liverpools, your Chelsea, your Arsenals. Um, for some reason, Arsenal, I don't know. And uh, so I, I think the, the the funny and compelling thing to think about is that like the Super League kind of already does exist. <laughs> it's like, because it's mainly these teams competing for it every year. Uh, we have started to see some some people breaking through though, some teams breaking through and that's that's good. And I could see like if you just have a very neutral kind of perspective or like a very like zoomed out like picture of of soccer it seems like it like prima facie that like oh the best teams playing each other more is gonna mean better more exciting soccer no but if you've ever watched like some of those games in the champions league like it's not always true like those can be pretty cagey games (laughs) i mean it's yeah they're cagey games they're not always really pleasant ones to watch it's rarely that it's rare that a champions league finals entertaining uh, for a neutral viewer, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's why everybody always watches MLS Cup and comes away going, "Well, that wasn't a great game." Yeah, it's right? everybody's terrified, and it's the yeah. same two teams every year. You're trying not to. You're trying to, <laughs> one of two. Uh, so, I mean, you're just trying not to lose it, right? Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of the the takeaway. And for teams that are like, oh, I just want the good teams to play always. Those are the same people that grew up as kids wanting ice cream for dinner every night, and then realize that eating ice cream for dinner every night actually sucks and is really sad. See, this is a great take for our supper podcast, Harrison. I, we I should have saved it, huh? Should have saved it for our supper podcast. Uh, it obviously has nothing to do with MLS or American soccer, really. So I don't know why we're giving it as much time, except that I think it's kind of interesting, and it is the the dominant story in the soccer community. Um, the bottom line is that it, it's it's bad. <laughs> like it, it ultimately, like whatever soul I think that that you still feel, like whatever attachment you have to like your team, whatever you can still feel, like that sort of thing. Um, this just like makes that just, just distances it a little bit further and further and further and further. And, and I think ultimately what makes soccer special, what makes any sport special, I guess I shouldn't say it's just soccer, but you know, for me, a soccer fan and, and for you, a soccer fan, um, you know, there's an attachment to it. It it feels like you're a part of it. I think that's what drives this so well. Uh, and, and so ultimately I, I think it benefits a small group of people, um, at the expense of a lot of people that would just really, really be destroyed by it. So um, I'm glad that they're all backing out of it. I think Can I, they're going to get some more money. And I think in the end, they were really just kind of posturing, got everyone excited for no good reason. Uh, but hey, hey, it's over. I, think I, it's over. I, I, I got a question for you, though, because yeah. I, I saw a couple different um, couple different people came out uh, and said stuff. And it always incites the uh, the, the quote unquote Ted's uh, that are out there. And there's a lot of people saying it's kind of rich for MLS fans to not like a bunch of teams that are going to get together and basically play in a closed league. Uh, is there similarities? I mean, I don't see it necessarily. I don't, I, I fail. Yeah. I, I see that. And I wasn't sure yeah, if you could explain yeah. that. I, I see like the, the, the intellectual points. So a lot of what this goes back to is that it ruins like in Europe, you know, you have a, your pro rail pyramid, you know, um, and there's the idea that like if Scunthorpe United, you know, is just given the right investment, like they could be winning the Premier League in five years, which is technically true, but unlikely, you know, but there is that opportunity for a club to better themselves to sort of uh, 
pull themselves up by their bootstraps, um, as it were. And, and, uh, I think that that appeals to a lot of people. Uh, and so, yes, when MLS fans are, you know, in a very, uh, uh, rigidly closed system in which, you know, there's been very little give and take on that, that there's not, there does not seem to be any interest in opening up our football pyramid as it were. Uh, yeah, it is a little kind of fun. There's, there's an irony there for sure. MLS is sort of like the super league, um, of American soccer landscape, I guess. <laughs> uh, it doesn't feel like that because if you watch it, you know, it's not <laughs> but like it, 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 I I, I, I see, I can see the intellectual threads and they make sense. There is an irony there, but, but I think that, uh, you know, there's different reasoning and I think there's different practicality to, to this sort of thing. Like it's, it's intellectually the same idea, but I think functionally not exactly to me, but I, I I would hear people out that would say different. I I understand where they're coming from. They're not wrong. Oh yeah. A, I know who uh, Scunthrop United are. Thank you, FIFA. Uh, and B, I, I don't necessarily see the same parallels. Um, I, I think we're talking about a lot of different money uh, that changes things. And we're talking about the highest echelon of people that can invest in talent, bringing that ten- talent all centralized uh, to compete against one another. I think that's a, that concept. And, and I guess it's exactly what you said. It, it's There are parallels with different concepts. Uh, and I think that that's... Uh, that to me is what stands out, right? Yeah, okay, you're going to put a bunch of teams together. Not to belabor this, I agree with you, it's a different concept. Uh, I just wasn't quite seeing what the points that that were being made. Well, I think the main difference is just that, like, the Premier League is a $4 billion a year, like, venture. Uh, The Bundesliga is, like, a $3 billion a year venture. Major League Soccer is not that. Um it's not like they lost a billion dollars last year, Ian. A billion. I'd love a, to see that. Account. I would love to see the account with a that. B, really would. capital B. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I, I've been suspicious of that number since he announced it. I would love to see the accounting on that, but uh, it it it's like we're talking about a different thing. It's not like we've taken this vast amount of wealth here in Major League Soccer and just hoarded it and and are like, uh, it's different. <laughs> it just is. It's a different scale of things, but but I understand the point. Um, anyway, but good news is it seems like it's over, and then we're going to go back to just uh, those clubs being in an unofficial Super League um, and you know still having all the money and still <laughs> buying all the best players and still dominating the competition. Um, but you know, there'll be some better stories out of there. We'll see. We'll see another Leicester year, right? Possibly. Uh, that was amazing. So yes, please more. It of was that. one of the best things in sports. Um, now then, let's move away from European soccer because it's very much against our Thank mission God. statement here at American Soccer Analysis, where we analyze American soccer only, occasionally Canadian, occasionally Mexican. First weekend, MLS, what'd you think? Did you have fun? You watch a lot of games? <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, had housework, did yard work, uh, but it was fun because I kind of scheduled it around catching the first half of like Montreal and Toronto, and then this you know second half of uh, other games, and it, it it was fun just to be able to have the game on and doing stuff, stopping to do what you know to watch it. Uh, having Monday uh, Mondays is kind of a slow day for me, so you know I kind of had it on in the background while I was working, which was nice to to rewatch some of the some of the parts of games that I missed. So yeah, I. It, I, it was a lot of fun to to have it back up and going. Lots of crazy stories, lots of uh, crazy narratives that I'm sure will will come about. You know how you know 
uh, my goodness, I can't even name all of them. They kind of are all coming out of my mouth at once. Well, did you see any, did anybody just surprise you or impress you? Honestly, like nothing. Okay. Uh, Vancouver. All right. Come on. Vancouver winning. Uh, that was basically a little shocking. On, that was a little shocking. And it's not even that they won, right? Like that doesn't shock me. Um, what shocked me more is that they put a Portland put up a zero. And I, I get that, you know, they have some players out. Uh, they have, you know, they played a midweek game. They've played over the last two weeks uh, with traveling so uh, to uh, South America. So I understand that. But at the same time, uh, it's not like Portland put up this amazing, you know, they had uh, maybe one, two really good opportunities uh, well, they put together one. They put together had a misheader that he shouldn't have. Uh, yeah. probably shouldn't have. But aside from that, I mean, overall, it, it wasn't thirteen combined opportunities. Yeah. Well, they put together an expected goal. Um, and Vancouver, I think, put together zero point three. It looks like so. Uh, you know, it's not that Portland didn't create the chances; they did. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think Vancouver looked uh, that like. They seem fairly competent to me. I, I saw like a lot to like there. I saw a little, little ray of sunshine, a little, little ray of hope. Yeah, like you know, and I think that it kind of leads to what we kind of talked about last year. I don't or last week. I don't think that this is going to be Vancouver's year, but you can definitely start seeing the the pieces come together um, in that game. And I, I think that there's going to there's going to be more work that needs to that needs to happen. Um, and what they're playing in salt lake so i mean that's not home for them i think that they're going to encounter a lot of problems uh it's going to be a tough year for them uh still dealing with covid and everything but man uh really really promising start uh for for that organization Uh, that was cool to see you know who i was impressed by this week who were you impressed with montreal Montreal put up a lot of goals, man. Mason Toy, man, uh, that goal—I I did catch that goal uh, live, and that—that that was shocking. Toronto was maybe a little bit unfortunate at times, um, and certainly they too have extenuating circumstances, and um, it's just well, tough out there. Said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 what I mean. We can say a lot of things, but like Mason Toy's goal itself, like just to come back to it again, man, like it just was a rocket off his, off his foot, man. Like that was, that was some stuff that we've seen previously from him. And that's mm-hmm. why he had been getting opportunities uh, with the U S men's national team. That's why he was getting talked about at that level. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's going to be inconsistent. He doesn't create enough opportunities by himself, but if he can continue getting fed like that, he's probably going to score. 10 goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you know, to, to be fair to our Toronto fans, uh, you know, our sister show, the Canadian soccer analysis show, I am missing Josie, missing Pozuelo, missing Mavinga, a lot of key players and that spine not there. Um, but nonetheless, this was kind of a new look side for Montreal it was our first look at, um, how, they, how they were going to set up and they had a really nice, interesting, like kind of, um, I guess you could call it like a three, four, three or, uh, or, you know, if you want to be 
you could say like a three five two. There's a lot. It's that formation. It's the one everybody kind of uses. Like we've seen a lot. I saw a lot more two forward looks this this weekend than I think I expected to see overall. Agreed. That was interesting. Um, so that that's kind of fun. I, I I miss the old two striker partnership thing. That was always kind of cool. Um, you want yeah, to you want to know something about that uh, Montreal game real fast? Yeah, tell me. Joel Waterman, center back for Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Worst G plus of the weekend. Really? Yeah. I think his counting stats are pretty good. Oh, well, counting go. stats aren't everything, right? Yeah. There you go. Goes to show you. But you had that Kamal Miller back there and uh, Rudy Camacho. Like you wouldn't think this is like a lockdown iron defense, but you know they, they did okay. They, they did give up two expected goals, but I think Toronto had a penalty, if I recall, um, which which helped a lot with that. So, uh, yeah, good job, Montreal. You surprised me, and I was I was pleased to see them do well. Uh, Seattle, I think, were a lot better than I expected them to be um, in the second half. In the second half, but that's just the way it is, right? I mean, that's how well. It is. That's that's true. That is that is a that is a linchpin of their of their. I want to say tactical approach almost because uh, yeah. it feels very much bend don't break uh, with those tactics very early on. And uh, then if they break, it's just done. <laughs> like if they break too early, uh, like if you can break them in the first half, that's a really good way to beat Seattle. But if you let them hang around the game into the second half, they're going to give you trouble. I think that's fair to say. Why is that? Is that because they had they 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 allow the opposing team has to push more players forward, or they feel like maybe if they push another player forward and then Seattle beats them on the break? I mean, I I I, I don't remember any specific moments like that. Uh, it, to be perfectly honest, uh, the goal that you know kind of quote unquote broke the game open was just, you know, a, a what a three percent chance, a zero zero three uh expected goal by a that's what they call a thunder bastard. <laughs> thunder bastard. That's that is a that is a term, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a real thunder bastard from Joe, Joe Palo there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why it is. I don't, I don't know if they just kind of, that's sort of the way that they game plan it out. If they just say like, all right, we're going to kind of be a little cagey in the first half and then, uh, absorb. Some, I do agree. I, I do think that absorb some punches and kind of wear tire them out a little bit. And then the second half, we're just going to jump all over them. And, you know, they jumped on them in the 49th minute and they didn't let go. And, uh, you know, four second half goals is, is really good. And, uh, the, the underlying stats agree that they, uh, they were, I got, I think three expected goals to 1.3. And, uh, I, if I were Minnesota, I guess one thing I'd say is not to like take, uh, a lot from this. I, I still think Minnesota is like, a very good team. I expect them to be a little bit better than they were, but you know, first game, these things happen. Tough place to go. Seattle, even with a reduced crowd, um, playing on turf, all that stuff, you know? So it, it's, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang my heads yet. Loons. I, w- I wouldn't hang them yet. I think you know, still some good stuff to get to come. Our, our friend Sean Stefan had a tweet earlier this week uh, and, and this weekend specifically uh, about how teams, once they get into a negative goal differential, the shots they end up taking uh, increasingly get worse expected goals. And this is a concept that we've written about. We've had public. Uh, published before, and I think it's kind of interesting. I think uh, I don't remember what he what team. Do you remember what? Uh, what game he was specifically referencing uh oh his tweet off the top of my head was my, lafc no it was yeah miami, he was talking about miami miami and galaxy yeah of course yeah galaxy yeah um showing that miami were started taking a lot more 
uh, poor shots as they went down. Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's a lot to to well, say about that. Like, uh, it, well, I brought it up because Minnesota, after Paolo um, scored his goal, they just took a flood of shots of just low expected goal. Like if you want to go ahead and pull up MLS soccer, if anyone has that, or if you want to even look up on Twitter, we have our uh, expected goals um, Twitter account out there. You can go out there. Uh, You can see just the flood of really low leverage shots that they just took uh, between about the 60th minute and 75th minute. They just, um, just basically trying to get anything that they can just try to, make something happen. And uh, yeah, it, it's a really interesting uh, tactical occurrence. And I think that part of it is because teams being a goal up, they can start to kind of pull players back in. They can kind of uh, shelter their, their defense a little bit better. Um, and I think attacking teams ha- are forced to kind of overcommit a little bit and personnel. And I think it opens up better opportunities going forward because Seattle had much better um, XG opportunities in the second half as a result of that goal. Mm-hmm. Now, but what do you say to the commentator that says you can't win the raffle if you don't buy the ticket, Harrison? I, I do. Uh, look, I definitely agree with that. Like we, I kind of implied uh, that when, when we were, what uh, oh, article was a right new England? Was it with uh, Gustavo bow? And I think, think you, you and I've talked about it, Bo. Why did I say bow? Uh, you and I were talking about this last week. Look, at a certain point in time, you are going to have to take shots. And K- Kansas City, uh, Sporty Casey did this a couple years ago. It was really interesting. They started their seasons off with a lot of low leverage shots uh, early on in the game. They would just basically pepper those that uh, that opposing team, and then later on in the game, they stopped taking so many shots. And teams kind of came out of their shell because they were expecting more and more of those early shots, those early crosses, those early attempts. So they're coming out to stop them and try to, you know, create opportunities on the break as a result. And instead, Kansas City was finding opportunities to slide in these passes into the box and and find runners, uh, you know, Johnny Russell, uh, Shelton, all these different players. And they're creating high leverage opportunities, fewer of them in the second half as a result. And, and those, so I think that it definitely has its place. Um, but I think that it has its place uh, earlier on in games than in later in games. And additionally, there's this, uh, this very like kind of tactical perspective you can go with too and say like, okay, well, look, um, you know, you start popping off shots from 20 yards, scaring the keeper a little bit. He's going to start telling defenders like, yo, get out there and cover that. Um, which is going to create more space for you inside as well. You know, it's all about pulling strings, Harrison. That's what that's what that's what I think is going on there. Well, I think I think that's a really good point because keepers are going to get frustrated that they can't see those shots as many shots coming, especially if you're pulling in four different guys or five different guys inside the box when a shot's being taken. The keeper's view is going to be partially blocked, right? So those low leverage shots um, maybe increase a little bit uh, in value more than what we think uh, with that yeah. defense maybe pulled back in. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if the keeper does get frustrated and tells them, hey, get out there. Like, don't let him shoot from out there because that creates space elsewhere. And um, 
So yeah, we'll never know the true value of that Harrison. And so, well, I mean, I'm sure I, I, you say that, but with second spec, computer, you got, you talk about second spec from having that, having that data where I'm sure we're going to, yeah. we're going to get a better, um, tactically adjusted expected goals. I would, I would Ooh. expect that, that to be a thing that comes out in the next year, probably in the next six months. Can we call it tag X instead of tax G? Oh, dude, that sounds so awesome. Yeah. Tag, tag X. X. Yeah, tactically adjusted goals expected. Oh man, there you go, there you go, folks. <laughs> so dope. Have, Let's go ahead and just yeah, if you that if you quick. need somebody to do your marketing, like seriously, <laughs> why people aren't banging down your door? I, let's get. Uh, let's go ahead and let's buy the tagx.com domain. Yeah, uh, Elliot, if you can just go ahead and start working on Elliot, that, just get yeah. work on that for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drew, go ahead and uh, get with a uh, lawyer. Just, or, just expense that expense that put it on the company visa yeah we do not have a company visa. <laughs> we don't uh <laughs> all right uh so yeah so it, it's a good point and it, it's one that i think that um i think as we watch this year it's i'm gonna try to keep an eye on as well to see do you remember we had um elliot on here a couple years ago after he uh and a crew i think kevin was involved in that too uh won that competition for data crunching and what they talked a lot about was how they found they could track through the data like certain decisions that were made like after certain events so like when michael bradley scored that incredible goal for the united states men's national team when he like chipped the keeper from like 35 oh yeah down mexico yep yeah like you saw michael bradley taking a lot more 35 yard shots (laughs) for the next month uh I wonder if there's something like that that you could kind of also uh, kind of find that track. And I think that would be interesting to do it actually to get more in depth on that and see if we can actually kind of uh, flag those. I know Sean looks like on his tweet did some of that already. So, uh, yeah, something to keep an eye out for. And if, you know, your friends are sitting there and you want to impress them with some soccer observations, just just drop that knowledge on them real quick. Uh, I think they'll be impressed. Um, <laughs> Heck, if the, you uh, want, if if you want to do some work into that, and that, give us a send an email. Yeah, Let us know. We'll, we'll help yeah. you. Hey, we won't pay you, but you can do it. Uh, We're about enabling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's exposure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, a lot of ASA folks are working for real clubs now. Let's just let's just say that. Uh, all right, uh, stop while we're ahead. Yeah, stop while we're ahead. Fine. I also thought that um, pretty good from Houston. I, I it was I liked that. I liked what I saw from Houston. Uh, do we have to go? Do we have to do that? Do we have yeah, to yeah, like yeah. admit that? Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, I trashed Rudy before the game. Made sure to do that uh, as I always do before each and every <laughs> season. Uh, you just don't like. You just don't like Maxi Rudy. I, well, I have very good reasons not to like Maxi Rudy. Okay, uh, well, besides your weird reasons that you dislike, well, he's he's bad. That's my main reason. <laughs> I so look, you and Matt Doyle always say say this, and you guys have this, and and look, tactically, I can understand that he takes a lot of bad shots. Uh, yes. he wastes opportunities and possession. Yes. I get that, but yes. also he he also go- does not score a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, he always creates opportunities, though. He's very good at creating shots, and he's very good at look. Goal scorers have to first be able to fi- create shots for themselves. Now, 
<laughs> Rudy's never evolved beyond that. And I get it. But he still is very good at creating shots for himself. And, you know, we saw that in a couple of different situations in Houston. And that's something that I forget because sometimes I drink your guys' juice. And, uh, you yeah, know. It's good juice. It's always available, too, on tap. <laughs> Look, look, San Jose was terrible. Uh, Houston, yes. Houston looked mildly a little bit better um, than what we would probably have expected. Joe Corona was specifically really good. Um, and midfield, Tyler Pasher. Tyler Pasher was really bad. Um, <laughs> did you really like what he did? I mean, I did all right. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like Tyler Pasher. I, I, there, there's little things that that caught called out to me. Um, uh-huh. So, I, I just, well. I, I didn't think he was really good in possession. I thought that there was a couple times he missed opportunities to run. Uh, those were small things that stood out to me. I know that there's a lot of hype on him. Um, I think overall, I think San Jose uh, needs to be stretched. I think that you have to constantly be moving. And uh, I think that a San Jose team that is better prepared, has Judson, uh, has their fitness, they're probably going to uh, probably beat the pants off of Houston. Wow. All right. I mean, I, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. think I didn't think Houston was that good. I I, th- I do think that they were better than what I expected. You didn't like Mimo, not even Mimo, dude. That turn, that turn, That's that turn, man. They, <laughs> I don't know who it was. Was it was it Youngworth or was that Thompson? Who did he who did he turn on there that just basically left a corpse <sighs> behind him? I do believe it was Youngworth. Unfortunately, yeah, it was it. <laughs> Your boy, yeah, yeah, he. Uh, that was that was really good. Uh, that was a that was a really good moment for him. So, okay, uh, I think I just want to say, Tyler, if you're listening, I thought you did a really good job out there, man. And I don't think anybody expected you to do as well as you did. And you just keep going for Canada and for Houston and for USL you. USL players everywhere. Yeah, and I just want to see one of these success stories. Like that would be just great, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, exciting games. DC United, the District of Columbia United, Harrison took it to the New York City Football Club. You didn't see that coming, did you? No, uh, I, I can honestly say I the Herman Losada the Hernan Losada era has begun. Yeah, so there's a funny there's a funny thing about Chicago uh, and, and Losada, right? Um, I was thinking, yes. Well, DC United, but specifically uh, Chicago Fire in this uh, in this situation. Um, I was thinking as I was watching the game and I saw Lasada. Um, I was like, you know, I don't know if I could distinguish between him and Raphael Wiki off the top of my head because I don't know what Raphael Wiki looks like now because they both have just because they both have glasses and uh, sometimes they both, they both wear baseball caps and. I just kind of thought to myself, wow, I really don't know what coaches look like in this league they, now. They do have that like diet clop thing going on, don't they? they, they <laughs> diet clop. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. I mean, it's what it is, isn't it? Like, that's just what's going on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, they did, the underlying numbers didn't, you know, didn't didn't show a lot of dominance. But, uh, you know, well, for they, DC, you know what? They, they, they threw a lot of pressing numbers at NYC, and I think that really disrupted them. I think the fact that... Um, 
they made some really smart tactical fouls, uh, really helped them out uh, in in certain situations that uh, prevented New York from getting on the break. Overall, it, it wasn't a great game by DC. It doesn't necessarily show us, you know, what DC is going to be in the future. <laughs> the opportunities they created probably aren't sustainable. But you know what? Um, they they got a win, and that's something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was particularly impressed with one Russell Knus. Um, thought he did good. A lot of those pressures we were talking about. I was looking at some of his his statistical outlay. He was he was all up in people's business. Um, kind of an unsung guy, I think, uh, of the last couple of years for DC. But but it's nice to see him kind of making a yeah, like, making himself out uh, to be I, good he, there. I'm sure his real estate business definitely you know took a. Definitely took a took a plus one. I forgot to... he has a real estate business. That's so funny. Yeah, he's out there just selling houses through high press actions. That's the way you do it. I Canopy. I didn't know uh, Gressel was going to be healthy for this game, but that was that yeah. was cool to see. Um, do you think when Russell Knews like presses people, like he also hands them the card? Yes, I definitely. I think after the game, he hands he he hands everyone in the opposing lineup like here's my business card. Let me know next time you're in the area. If you see something you like, I'll get you. Uh, <laughs> I'll put you in touch with somebody. Yeah. All right, well, that works for me. Um, I'm I'm into it. Let's this, go DC United. Uh, the one thing that I will say about DC United is this was not the Ben Olsen low XG team. Like this was a different low XG team that was probably a little bit more fun to watch. Right. Yeah. Did you you think so? Yeah. Like they didn't create a lot of opportunities and they hadn't necessarily been doing that under Ben Olsen last year, but well, for half the year anyways, it it seemed like it was a little bit more up, up tempo. It felt, it felt better. And I don't know how else to, to say it or phrase it. It just felt better. Like it felt good. You know what else that game had? I have no idea. A thunder bastard. It's true. From Brandon Heinzike. Yeah, Heinzike did uh, did hit the hell out of that just, ball. Just, just kind of found it. I felt like it just kind of found its way. Like, I don't know, man. I see guys take low percentage shots like that. And, like, Darlington Nagby's done it. And then Jao Paulo did it differently, differently, uh, not as good. But both of those guys have immense amount of skill that I can look at them and be like, oh, they totally meant to do that. Oh, totally, totally. And you know what else they say, Harrison? Heinz Ike did it, though. And I felt like he was so surprised that he just pulled that off. Like, I felt yeah. I felt his shock. It was kind of fun. Like, he was like... Uh... He did that thing where he was like, you could see him like watching his own replay up on the scoreboard and just like kind of smiling. And I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, he was just like, yeah, whoa, uh, cool. I, th- that. I I feel like Canoose did the same thing. Like Russell Canoose like had that little seeing eye ball that just somehow got into that corner. And uh, like, he's just, wow, that worked. Guys, fellas, that worked. Fellas, fellas, you see this? Look at this. Expected goals be damned. You can't win the raffle if you don't buy a ticket, Harrison. That's what the great people always say. Uh, let's talk about um, some of our other... Like, uh, Columbus-Philadelphia played a very interesting game of football, I think. Um, a stalemate, if you will. Uh, 
though not really a stalemate. Like if you know what a stalemate is in chess, it's not it's not that. But um, a close game, a little bit. You know, there were opportunities to be had, but but good defense all around. I think you know these are two of your better defenses in the league. Um, two of your you know better keepers in the league, even perhaps. Uh, well, you know, Eli Room's really good. Uh, no, yeah, Eloy Room has showed to be really good. I'm still out on uh, Andre Blake. Like he had a better yeah. season. He had a better season last year. And I look, I know the narrative. I, I see the athleticism. I just don't think the athleticism translates the way people. Um, yeah. But that, that's my personal opinion, personal take. Sorry to put that on you, Ian. And you know, you consider this team, this uh, Columbus team, missing a lot of weapons there as well. So. Um, <clears throat> You know well, that didn't stop. That didn't stop him uh, last year. Yeah. So this uh, this team is a little scary to me still. This Columbus team still scares me a good bit. They seem quite good. Um. So that was probably the 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 biggest matchup of the week. I guess that was kind of like the the Cres- charity shield or whatever. The crescendo. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You had the Eastern Conference champs versus the MLS. Well, this Cup this the supporter shield versus the MLS Cup. I think it's like the closest thing. I feel like they did that in years past too, where they put those two against each other. But I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, um, no, that's a, that's a good point. I guess I I kind of missed that and didn't think about it from that vein. Um, but yeah, look, um, Zellerion still uh, he had a good game. He didn't have a great game. I think that he definitely had moments, as he's apt to do. Zardes had a really big moment that kind of went lacking. Um, yeah, and other than that, like you said, it was high tempo. Um, I was a little surprised to see Shabilko go the full 90. Uh, like, hell, I was expecting uh, – I'm, I'm pretty surprised half the Philadelphia team went uh, went as long as they did, right? Um, uh, Montero uh, w- went 90 as well. Um Martinez went 90. Like these are guys that played uh Bedoya. Bedoya just continues playing playing on. Dude, that guy's a machine. Like Bedoya has my opinion of Bedoya has gone like 180 degrees over the last couple of years. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I don't I was not too impressed with him when he first showed up and I was not too impressed with him when he was in, at Nantes and I was uh, Well, he very, came he came here with a DP with a DP tag and a chip on his shoulder over it, right? Yeah, he was and he was like his some of the things he says are stupid. Um, but he also says some really smart things too. He's just an interesting guy. I just didn't really like him or I didn't think much of him as a player, but watching him really just kind of uh, captain that Philly team over the last few years, I've started to really see his value as a player. Um and you're right, he does. He seems like he's got a ton of energy, and he's just go, 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 you know? Well, and the fact that he's now almost 34, right? He turns 34 later on this this uh, this week, next week. Um, so he's I – can't, I can't quite believe that at that – at 34, that's usually when you see, like, the, the central midfielder start to kind of lose his legs just a little bit. And that guy just doesn't seem like he's lost very much. He just is a high-intensity player, and he just – uh, very Dax McCarty-ish. Yeah, Dax. Dax had a good weekend too. Also, a very good game. Nashville and uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati scoring goals. What? Cincinnati. I mean, they're they got defense. They got they got shelled. I am surprised they managed to get any point out of that game, but but good for them. And speaking of Cincinnati, Harrison, that takes us to the next thing we were going to talk about today. It's finally happened. The blockbuster trade is official. It's a trade that's going to change the face of Major League Soccer for perhaps a generation. Frankie Amaya, gone 
from Cincinnati into the warm embrace of the New York Red Bulls for the hefty sum of 950000 I think it's GAM. Is it straight GAM or is it a mix of GAM and TAM? Uh, it's not TAM I, anymore, right? It's just GAM. Yeah, TAM is GAM. Yeah, so bye it's bye just GAM. Boy, Harrison, that is a that is a price tag on that lad. Um, do you do you want to do you want to discuss that? Can you break it down for me, Harris? What's going on with this move? So, all right. So, the first thing that people do is they'll, of course, run out to AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Uh, dot com. They'll look up Frankie and Maya on our wonderful G plus, and they'll see negative one point six goals plus goals added in twenty nineteen. Negative. 1.54 goals in 2020 and immediately they'll come to the conclusion this guy sucks what did we spend well what did we spend almost a cool million uh for this guy that's you know a very mediocre uh to bad uh midfielder and i i think that's a fair question and, and to be perfectly honest you know we look at what he specifically has been good at and the, the attributes that he's been specifically good at aren't things that are going to show up necessarily in the data or the average data. Um, the things that he has done really well is press. He has been a pressing machine. In his time with FC Cincinnati, he has doubled the amount of presses as anyone has uh, had on that team. Uh, it, the guy has an engine and coming out of UCLA, he was the number one draft pick in 2019 out of UCLA for Cincinnati. He was the number one draft pick. And the, the, the U20 buzz on him was that he was going to be this creator, this number 10 that <clears throat> was more of a modern 10, right? Had that huge engine, uh, very reminiscent of uh, Christian Roldan. And, you know, as the longer that he's played, he's kind of, fit more in a number eight. And, and that was kind of pointed out to me, I think this off season by a couple different Cincinnati fans who, uh, you know, I, I kind of said similar things and going through the data and going through a lot of uh, what they've pointed out, watching some videos. Yeah. He's, he's got that more of a bite to him. And I think that uh, he's reminiscent to Roldan in that he can get forward. He can kind of play with the ball at his feet a little bit. But he's not necessarily going to deliver a, a a a killer pass. Like he, the thing about Roldan is Roldan is a really average player who just has these crazy good moments, uh, and, and it's not just like one moment this week, one moment two weeks from now. It's just he becomes like he becomes a different player for for a certain period of time, and I don't even know how to explain it. It doesn't necessarily always show up in the data. Roldan did this thing this past weekend that he killed two players. Like he just left them for dead. Um, he, he had the ball at his feet, was going to the sideline, had basically nowhere to go, and basically uh, what he kind of just split the defenders and ran past them. And mm. uh, those defenders had no clue what was happening. It just was a little bit of cheeky play. He pulled it off and he had to run into the box at that point in time. Uh, something that just that creativity opened up that opportunity. And I think that we kind of see some similar things with Amaya. I think that uh, Amaya has that creativity on the ball at times. You know, he does have some decent dribbling skills, though. He's also not figured out quite where to use 
how to pull that off. And so yeah. right now the Red Bulls are throwing that 950 K in gam at a lottery ticket and, and one that profiles pretty well. Well, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you this real quick, Harrison. You're describing a player that is young. Yes. He's 20. That still, that can still be developed. Yes. That has a ton of energy, huge motor, um, and is exceptional at pressing actions. And he also may have some underlying creativity and can play in a more advanced position and use those pressing skills in that area. Gosh, can you think of a club that might be interested in someone like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it is kind of ironic how he does basically fill, uh, che- hit all the check boxes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at the Red Bulls, uh, not necessarily uh, last year, but the previous few years, like they've had nobody that, in that midfield that was necessarily quote unquote good at passing by our, by our passing standards. Right. Mm-hmm. By the expected passing, and then well, Kaku, uh, Kaku at times. Well, yeah. okay, Kaku was, but Kaku's never really played that mold, right? Yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean Davis mistake. is probably the only one that has stood out as being a good passer in mm-hmm. the last five years uh, mm-hmm. at at the Red Bulls, and that's not necessarily because they're bad passing, but it's the impetus to quickly move the ball, right? And so moving that ball and constantly charging forward creates bad passes sometimes. It, it creates a volatility in, uh, in the quality because um, they're just trying to get forward and create opportunities. They're not necessarily conscious of, you know, I'm going to put this on a dime, you know, 90 feet here, you know. Well, you kind of handed out earlier and we sort of discussed it last week that, yeah, what they're paying for is potential. Um. I know I brought this up last week when we were talking about um, Gerald DK, that it was like, um, you know, potential is the most expensive thing to, to buy in the sports market. <laughs> yeah. Um, so while I think that that particular figure is appalling, uh, I want to say that, that is significantly more money than I would have offered for him. Um, I, I, I can kind of see where New York is going with it and, I think that he probably, I mean, if they couldn't talk him down from that at all, like I wonder where that, that negotiation started. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that's that. That is the thing that you have to kind of say is, did, how did Cincinnati get so much for this for a player that did that actively did not want to be there? Yeah, did by not the want to be there. Said he didn't want to be there. Like they were, which that shows a certain wisdom that I think. <laughs> It's also good that he was able to look at this and go, no, mm -mm, no, no. Next. Uh, Which he doesn't like at this point in his career, he doesn't need that kind of situation. He doesn't like that's not the great place to develop right now. Uh, New York is going to be a far, far better place for him to like grow as a player. Um, So it's going to align with what he's good at too. Right. And I think it's just like a, you're right. Like, but just like, how did, since he get like almost a million dollars worth of leverage out of that? Like, I I would love to know how that negotiation went down. Well, I mean, if you're going to, if you're talking about a player who two years ago was on the US U twenties and helped them move to the world cup, to the U 20 world cup. And then on top of that, he got called up to the U S men's national team in November. Didn't go because he got COVID. This is a guy that obviously is part of Burl Halter's plans, and it doesn't matter 
whether number or not one you're draft good. pick. It, it, yeah, at this point in time, we're talking about paying for narratives, right? You're paying yeah, for a player true. that's yeah. going to be or that could potentially be, you know, hashtag U.S. Men's National Team, right? That's that's what they're going to throw. That's what they want to put up there. Well, and Houston's a little flush, or, or sorry, New York was a little flush right now because they just got that Tim Parker money. I feel like they they also did they get money for Kaku as well. I don't. I don't know how that uh, yeah, honestly got resolved. Not, I would okay. be surprised if that were a significant amount of money. I think he just kind of, well, because he just left when <laughs> I think. I don't know how. I, didn't even, I forgot about that. Like he just was in Saudi Arabia one day, just like signing a contract, and you know, was like, well, okay. Uh, I don't know that they got any kind of money for that, but I wouldn't imagine it was a lot. Um, maybe they got max from it though, if they that team paid a transfer fee in the end. I'm, I'm not sure how that all worked out. I'd have to look into that. Um, but yeah, so they had some money to spend. They're not a big spending club generally. Um, so they probably had some stuff, you know, socked up in the bank a little bit there. Right. And uh, this is what they broke it on. Uh, it's, I was being sarcastic when I said, you know, it's going to change the face of major league soccer for a generation. I don't, I don't know that it will, but um, what? you know, if, if they look at this as a long-term project, like I think it's really hard for fans when they see this happen, and then they're going to be like, "Wait, this guy didn't even st- we paid a million dollars for this dude, and like he's not even starting." Like what? What? You know. But if you see it as more like a five, six year plan project, uh, you know that number starts to look a little bit better. Well, I feel like this is also kind of what we have wanted too, right? We you talked about uh, Tyler Pasher earlier, and and we really didn't get necessarily a chance to talk about uh, Danny Muscovy. Uh, earlier but uh it, we want to see teams a invest in youth and have that youth align with what they're doing cincinnati has not figured out what they're doing like there's no signs that on yeah uh, uh, on it, this past weekend that they have any continuity that they're building right they're like just still they playing got, catch up they, like they got they got buy on player on freaking players that were just basically playing street ball they're lucky they're, they didn't get their the, the side of their head smashed in. They're very like Cincinnati. I mean, I, I, I there's a lot to, to criticize. Obviously, they made a lot of really bad decisions early on in their franchise, and they're still playing catch up from that. And I'm not saying that like they're not like Vancouver turned around at least facing the right path. Now I don't know that for sure one way or the other. Um, but it, but it is something still where you have to look at the situation. If you're a young player and go like, am I going to wait around for this team to get its act together and like make a system like? No, like you're 20, like that's young, but it's not like it's not 15, it's not 16. Um, you know, 20 years old is around the world. You know, you're kind of expected to be sort of who you are in soccer at that point. Well, um, and you can kind of point to what happened over this weekend when a 20 year old puts their puts their career in the hands of an organization, right? Yeah, sure. But yeah. I mean, Matthias Pellegrini uh, is at 21 is going to lose a year off of his off of his career playing in USL when he came here for the chance to build his career to the English Premier League or, you know, to European soccer. Yeah, wherever he might want to go. And instead, like he's playing Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. No offense to our Fort Lauderdale listeners. I've been to Fort Lauderdale. It's fine. It's a fine town. Um. Did you want to talk about Danny uh, Musovsky? Uh, he he led uh, all um, players with the highest XG without a goal this weekend. So uh, it, 
he had a series of just kind of misfortunate events. He created some opportunities. That's all good. Those were all uh, from open play. I, I don't I don't remember looking at it. Was adding in set pieces. Set pieces are that's another beast. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I thought he I thought he had some really good moments. Uh, he also had the highest uh, G plus this weekend. Uh, so I, I I think that he could be a really fun story to watch this year. Um, I know he did make a couple mistakes in front of goal with uh, bad touches. Um, I hope that he continues to get opportunities because I think over the course of the entire game against Austin, he was really good and he made Matt Beasler look really old. Well, I mean, the good news is there's no one to take those opportunities away from him right now. Uh, potentially. I mean, Corey, Corey Baird. Uh, I mean, I think, could, I think they have Baird there. where they, yeah, I think they have Baird where they have him, though. I think he's going to be out wide. Yeah, but, um, I mean, the, you're not going to continue to be playing Baird out wide if, you know, Diego Rossi can actually pass a fit test. So, I yeah, mean. No, that's true. That's true. I guess there could be some motion there. But I, but I hope he, I, I think he, I do like him, too. I hope he gets a chance. And, uh, yeah, that was right. We talked about him, like, having a lot of plus, of a lot of plus lines on him last week going into the preview, and he actually made us look kind of good there, Harrison. Look at that. Look at that. We're so smart. We're wrong about everything. No, we're not wrong about everything. <clears throat> Just some things. Just a few things. <laughs> Shut up, Houston. Right. Shut up, Houston. <laughs> don't, don't make me get mad at you, Rudy. Uh, anything you're looking forward to this coming weekend? Any, any game you're keeping a special eye on, Harrison? Uh, not especially. I don't, uh, you know what? I haven't even looked at what matchups there are. Oh, I guess LAFC in Seattle's this weekend, isn't it? So that's a big one, isn't I, I'll it? Probably, yeah. I'll probably watch that. Like we'll it, see how fair Musovsky does against the back three of Xavier, oh, you, oh, you know, LAFC, Shane O'Neill, and New uh, We both know LAFC is going to win three to one. It's just, it's, it, it, it is what it is, right? Like, LAFC has had Seattle's number early on in the season. That's just been a thing. Um, I don't see that. But then what happens later? It's a good game. It's a good game. Seattle figures some stuff out and knows how to get the breaks. Um, Yeah, I'm going to try that 3-5-2 out against... uh... (laughs) You know, I I worry a little bit uh, about them lining Nuhu up against uh, Vela. I think that's. I think that's just going to be a wild oh, that's, game. That's boy, just going to be a wild game. Boy, and, the MLSsoccer.com uh, punditry class is going to be all over that one. It's just uh, that's some meme-worthy potential right there. That is that is uh, a class in and of itself. Yeah, that th- there's there's a potential for some some very dank. The X dank on those memes is very high, Harrison. <laughs> X dank. Yeah, look, X dank. Look, it, it's going to be crazy. Um, I, I really will wa- be watching uh, how well Atuiesta does in that um, against Seattle in that midfield. Um, it, Seattle seemed to tactically figure out how to handle Atuesta during the playoffs. Um, I will say largely that plan was just to stick Ladero on him, uh, and Ladero was just amazing. Um, had probably one of his best games in a Sounders uniform, uh, but. I'd be really interested to see how they adjust and how they replace Ladero uh, in shutting down Atuesta because, to be perfectly honest, he's kind of um, the piece that makes LAFC go. So Atuesta versus Atencio. Atencio was pretty good. Yeah, he was. Another young player. 
Now we kind of talked a little bit about the, the I mean, it's look a little good there. The, so. the, there was a couple times I did yell at about his uh, delaying a, a pass that he should have. Uh, I did get, I did yell at my TV uh, specifically at him a couple times, but he, yeah, he was fine. I mean, it's, uh, He's a young guy. It's what you're, you're going to do. It's yeah. what you're going to do. Um, do you, yeah, it does seem to do be you the yell at your game. TV? Yeah, all the time. Okay. All the time. That's not, my computer that, and my TV. Oh, the computer is a definite phone. one. We, we've, we both have commiserated about that before, yeah. but like, like uh, that's not a sock the other day. <laughs> so we yell at inanimate objects. Okay. All the time. All okay. the time. They get the grunt of my, my, uh, admonishments and wrath, uh, because they're all out to get me. All right. Uh, that's all. That's all we got this week, guys. Uh, you know, you only get one podcast a week. We gotta, we're gonna have a little less content. That's just gonna happen. You want one every week. We're gonna be back next week. Probably. Hopefully some better stories hey listen y'all if you have any questions anything you think that we should talk about send us a tweet send one to harrison send one to me uh you can send it to me at, at a handle for ian you can send it to harrison at harrison underscore crow you can send it to the american soccer analysis account that is at analysis evolved I... is at our website oh go ahead www.americansocceranalysis.com go ahead harrison i just was gonna say you guys that are on the other end listening to this Please send us your questions so I don't have to listen to Ian whine about why the only questions that we ever get is why Montreal is is Montreal good? Is this team good? Is Chicago good? Give, give good us some give us some quote. Give us some real quote. Tell us why we're wrong. Look, we're wrong a lot. Not really. But well, I mean, yeah, a fair amount. Time, we just covered just this. It's not important. Give us questions. Just Harrison, don't don't tell me why I'm wrong. I can't. I don't. I don't have the self uh, esteem to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> www.americansoccernalysis.com. This is the website. Uh, all the advanced stats are there. Guess what? For USL now, for NASL, for NWSL, MLS. That's like all of the American soccer leagues, basically. I think I can't think of any other American soccer leagues. Can you? No, we should definitely one time like figure out how to incorporate NWSL especially with uh on this podcast especially with the ongoing that's true that's true we do have some experts there uh that that write for the website now we could have on the discuss so that would be fun we should absolutely i would like that um i I could stand some to learn many a thing about that league Uh, there are lots Uh, of names i i I haven't mispronounced yet so please that's true (laughs) it's a whole (laughs) league of names you haven't gotten wrong it's incredible uh we'll be back next week until then Enjoy the second week of Major League Soccer.